You are listening to Clinical Pearls. Welcome back, everybody. In our current episode, we're going to cover depression and anxiety during pregnancy. Although pregnancy has typically been considered a time of emotional well-being, recent studies suggest that up to 20%, that's one in five, of women suffer from mood or anxiety disorders during pregnancy. Particularly vulnerable are those women with histories of psychiatric illness who discontinue psychotropic medications during pregnancy. Now, in a recent study, which prospectively followed a group of women with histories of major depression across pregnancy, of the 82 women who maintained antidepressant treatment throughout the gestation, 26% relapsed compared with 68% of the 65 women who discontinued the medication. This study estimated that women who discontinued medication were five times as likely to relapse as compared to women who maintained their regular treatment. High rates of relapse have also been observed in women with bipolar disorder. One study indicated that during the course of pregnancy, 70%, that's 70, 70% of the women experienced at least one mood episode. The risk of recurrence was significantly higher in women who discontinued their treatment of mood stabilizers compared to those who maintained treatment. Although data accumulated over the last 30 years suggests that some medications can be used safely during pregnancy, knowledge regarding the risks of prenatal exposure to psychotropic medications is still incomplete. So, it is relatively common for patients to discontinue or to avoid pharmacological treatment completely during pregnancy without physician awareness. Now remember that the U.S. FDA has actually changed the drug classification during pregnancy. Traditionally, the five risk categories of medications in pregnancy were A, B, C, D, and the letter X. But in 2015, the FDA proposed and adopted a new design system, which was supposed to be more inclusive and be easier for physicians and patients alike to understand. Now, companies will be required to remove the pregnancy letter categories from the labeling of all prescription drugs and have now moved over to this new pregnancy and lactation labeling rule. Decisions regarding the initiation or maintenance of treatment during pregnancy has to reflect an understanding of the risks associated with fetal exposure to that med as well as the risks with untreated psychiatric illness in the mother. Psychiatric illness in the mother is not a benign event and may cause significant morbidity for both the mother and her child. So discontinuing or withholding medication during pregnancy is not always the safest option. Remember that depression and anxiety during pregnancy have been associated with a variety of adverse pregnancy outcomes. Women who suffer from psychiatric illness during pregnancy are less likely to receive adequate prenatal care and are more likely to have risk-taking behavior like 
alcohol, tobacco, or other substances known to adversely affect pregnancy outcome. Several studies have described low birth weight and fetal growth restriction in children born to depressed mothers. Preterm delivery is another potential pregnancy complication among women experiencing distress during pregnancy. Pregnancy complications related to maternal depression and anxiety in late pregnancy have also been described, including an increased risk of having preeclampsia, operative delivery, and even infant admission to a special care nursery for a variety of conditions, including respiratory distress syndrome, hypoglycemia, and prematurity. These data underscore the need to perform a thorough risk and benefit analysis of all pregnant women with psychiatric illnesses, including evaluating the impact of untreated illness on the child as well as the mother, and balance that with the risks of using the medication during pregnancy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, well, now let's cover the big fear of physicians and patients regarding these medications, and that's the risk of potential teratogenicity. But you have to remember that the baseline incidence of major congenital malformations in the U.S. is around 2 to 4%. Now, during the earliest stages of pregnancy, formation of major organ systems takes place and is complete by the first 12 weeks after conception, or 14 weeks from the last menstrual period. So, discussion around risks of exposure during pregnancy can be broken down by the timing of exposure or trimester with particular vigilance around the first trimester. Now, remember that a teratogen is defined as any agent that interferes with the in utero development process and produce some type of organ malformation or dysfunction. For each organ or organ system, remember that there exists a critical period during development that which a teratogen can enter and affect. Now, most of the formation, for example, of the heart and great vessels takes place between four and nine weeks after conception, although the entire first trimester is often considered pertinent. Well, what about the risks of neonatal symptoms? Well, neonatal toxicity, or the perinatal syndrome called withdrawal syndrome, refers to a spectrum of both physical and behavioral symptoms observed in the acute neonatal period that can be attributed to drug exposure at or near time of delivery. Now, anecdotal reports attribute these syndromes to drug exposure must be cautiously interpreted and larger samples should be studied in order to establish a casual link between exposure to a particular medication and perinatal syndrome. Okay, let's keep moving and focus on some specific drug categories in pregnancy. Let's start with typical antidepressants. Of all the antidepressants, fluoxetine, or Prozac, is the best characterized antidepressant. Data collected from over 2,500 cases indicate no increase in the risk of major congenital malformations in Prozac-exposed infants. 
one prospective study with first trimester exposure to this SSRI did not demonstrate an increased risk of organ malformation. Now, several meta-analyses combining studies with exposure to SSRI do not demonstrate an increased risk of congenital malformations. However, there is an exception, and that exception is Paxil. There's been particular controversy around paroxetine use in pregnancy, as past reports have suggested that first trimester exposure to this medication is associated with increased risk of cardiac defects, including atrial and ventricular septal defect. Other published studies actually have not demonstrated an increased teratogenicity of paroxetine. So, independently conducted meta-analysis of available data sets have consistently found a lack of association between paroxetine exposure and cardiovascular malformations. Even so, these findings prompted the FDA to change the category labeling of paroxetine from the original letter of C to D when that letter classification system was still in effect. Okay, we have to pause here for a moment and talk about something specific to SSRIs. Several recent studies have suggested that exposure to SSRIs near the time of delivery may be associated with poor perinatal outcomes. Attention has focused on a range of transient neonatal distress syndromes known as the SSRI withdrawal that seems to affect up to 25% of babies exposed to this type of antidepressant during late pregnancy. Now, the most common symptoms includes newborn tremor, restlessness, increased muscle tone, and increased crying. However, here's a clinical pearl. Reassuringly, these syndromes appear to be relatively benign and short-lived, resolving within one to four days after birth without any specific medical intervention. But based on those initial reports, many women were advised to taper or discontinue treatment with SSRIs prior to delivery. But here's your clinical pearl. This strategy has not been shown to change neonatal outcome. Importantly, neonatal effects have been reported with both untreated mood and anxiety disorders as well as with those treated with medication, and limited studies have adequately teased out these variables. Additionally, the fear is that tapering down the medication or discontinuing SSRIs at late gestation sets the mother up for postnatal depression exacerbation. Another concern has been that maternal SSRI use can be associated with a higher than expected number of cases of persistent pulmonary hypertension of the newborn. Now, in one report, the use of SSRI medication after 20th week of gestation was significantly associated with a six-fold greater risk of persistent pulmonary hypertension of the newborn. Now, since the initial report on this topic, three studies have found no association between antidepressant use during pregnancy and newborn persistent pulmonary hypertension. And one study actually showed a much lower risk than the 1% originally reported. So, what do we do with that information? Well, these findings taken together brings into question whether there is an association at all and suggests that if there is a risk of persistent newborn pulmonary hypertension, it is much lower than the reported risk in the original 
2006 report. So in brief, if the mother's doing well on SSRI medication, keep her on it and there's no indication that needing to reduce the medication has to occur. All right, team, let's keep moving. Let's focus now on TCAs. Three prospective and more than 10 retrospective studies have studied exposure of fetuses in the first trimester to TCAs. And when evaluated on an individual basis, and even when the results are pulled together, there do not seem to be a significant association between fetal exposure to TCAs and the risk of any major congenital anomaly. So that's good news. Well, what about bupropion? Well, bupropion may be an option for women who have not responded to fluoxetine or a TCA, and data thus far have not indicated an increased risk of malformations associated with bupropion during pregnancy. Again, so that's reassuring. A retrospective cohort study, including over 1,200 infants exposed to this medication during the first trimester, did not reveal an increased risk of malformations in the bupropion-exposed group. So, once again, that's reassuring. But what about MAOIs? Well, scant information is available regarding the reproductive safety of monoamine oxidase inhibitors. And these agents, and here's a clinical pearl, are generally not used in pregnancy as they may produce a hypertensive crisis when combined with tocolytic medications, specifically the historic use of terbutaline. Now, with regard to the newer antidepressants, prospective data on 150 women exposed to Effexor, that's venlafaxine, during the first trimester also suggest no increase in major malformations as compared to control groups. Now, to date, the literature does not include prospective data on the use of duloxetine, also known as Cymbalta. We're thankful to have you guys as part of our OBGYN podcast family. Thanks for listening to our episode, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.